You're listening to the Learn Like a CPA podcast, where we talk about all things real estate, tax strategy, and personal finance. Whether you're a real estate investor looking to scale your portfolio, or you're an individual wanting to take your financial freedom journey to the next level, this is the podcast for you. Welcome back to the Learn Like a CPA podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Bakey. Today, we're going to go a little bit further into the depreciation, as well as we're going to learn about cost segregation. So we talked about in the last episode, depreciation being you can only take it on the building value, the building structure, and you can't depreciate land. So one of the things you're going to do when you're looking at properties is take a peek on the at the tax assessment statement for that particular property. Normally, if you go on the county assessor's website, you'll be able, this is all public information, so you'll actually be able to see how much is allocated towards the building and how much is allocated towards the land. And we talked about how you don't wanna make an investment decision solely based on the tax benefits, but if you're neck and neck between two different properties, take a peek at the tax assessment statement so that way you can know how much to expect out of depreciation in certain areas you'll find that land may be lower so california for example they have a lot of land valuation towards their property so sometimes land could be 30 35 percent of the purchase price that's not good for us as real estate investors because that means we cannot depreciate that portion whereas if you're looking in the smoky mountains i've seen land as low as 8%, 6%. And if you're if you're buying condos or townhomes in specific that have HOAs, most of them actually have no land allocation, which means the entire amount can be eligible for depreciation, which is cool. All costs incurred between when you buy a property and when you rent it out are going to be capitalized and depreciated over that the life of that property, whether it's 27 and a half years for long-term rentals, 39 years for short-term or commercial property, which means all those expenses that we have to rehab, repair, those kind of get stored in this piggy bank and they're expensed out over the life of the loan, which is less favorable to us as investors because we have expenses that we're not able to deduct. The name of the game is how long can we defer income but if we have expenses, we wanna be able to accelerate those. And one sort of tidbit that I have, if you think about it as like a, a Burr method, a Burr method of real estate investing is where you find a distressed property, you rehab it a little bit, you rent it out, you refinance, you pull the money out. Well, identify of a property, out of a property, how much can you actually do repairs before you start renting the property out or making it available for rent? And how much can you do after? Because let's say we have $30,000 of repairs repairs for that particular property. Maybe there's 20,000 that we can do to get the property rent ready and put in service. And then there's another 10,000 that we can do after the fact. That $20,000 is going to be depreciated versus that $10,000 can be potentially immediately expensed, which generates us tax savings today rather than tax savings tomorrow. So if you're doing the Burr method in particular, I have the book behind me in the corner. It stands for buy, rehab, rent, refinance, and repeat. I want you to add another step to the Burr method. And so it's buy, rehab, make the property available for rent, then rent it out then refinance because once you make a property available for rent, that's when you can start classifying ex expenses immediately rather than having to depreciate them over the course of the loan, or, or I'm sorry, over the course of the property. 
Next thing we'll get into is cost segregation studies. So we talked about how everything in that property is sort of assigned a value and it's either 27 and a half or 39 years depending on the property. But we know that there's different components with inside of a building that's not just a building structure. You might have furniture, appliances, cabinets, ceiling fans, vents, window treatment. You might have decks, patios outside, landscaping, all those sort of costs. If you do not do a cost segregation study, they get baked into that purchase price and depreciated over the course 39 years or 27 and a half. What a cost segregation study allows you to do is essentially accelerate your cash flow because you will be able to accelerate depreciation, which thus in turn will lower your net income and create you more cash flow. What happens is you can look at that property, you hire an engineering firm to go inside of that property, look at it and break apart the components. So normally you'll have five year property, 15 year property, anything that has a class life less than 20 years or less can be immediately expensed in the year you place it in the service. So to give you an example, let's say I buy a $500,000 purchase price and let's say $400,000 is allocated towards the building, $100,000 is allocated towards the land. Generally speaking, you're able to depreciate about 25% of the building value in the year you place it in the service by doing a cost segregation study. So if I take $400,000 times 25%, I can expect about $100,000 in first year depreciation by doing a cost segregation study. So what that means is if I have say $80,000 of rental income, of net income, and I have $100,000 of depreciation, I'm able to use that depreciation to offset the rental income. Whereas normally I would have only gotten $10,000, $12,000 of depreciation in that first year, I'm able to get $100,000 of depreciation in the first year that's able to offset my rental income. So instead of paying taxes on $80,000 of rental income, I get to turn around and tell the IRS I have a loss, which is really cool. What exactly gets broken out on the cost segregation study? Typically, you'll see five, you'll see 15-year property. Five-year property includes appliances, cabinets, ceiling fans, furniture, vents, and window treatment. 15-year property is a lot of land improvements, so landscaping, decks, patio, pools. And now a pro tip is when you're looking at properties, anytime you see, if you're, if you're looking at it on Google Maps or in the listing, and you see land improvements, stuff that's, that's stuff that's built on the land that's outside of the property, like your decks, your patios, your pools, your paved driveways, paveways, your eyes should light up because you know that you're gonna be able to immediately expense that by doing a cost segregation study. Cost segregation studies, again, accelerate depreciation, which is going to increase your cash flow. Because if I had to pay taxes on $80,000 of rental income, we'll go back to my marginal tax rate being 30%. $80,000 of rental income means I pay $24,000 in taxes that year to the government, which after taxes, I'm only left with $50,000 and some change versus I can order a cost segregation study and that way my depreciation is going to exceed my rental income and I do not have to pay tax on the 80,000 anymore. So I'm able to free up that $24,000 that I would have paid in taxes. I can plug that right back into my pro forma calculations to assess true cash on cash return, which is really cool. What is a who does a cost segregation study benefit, right? It's not for everybody. Some of the things that you want to look for is low purchase price. If the property is 
below 350, $400,000, it may not be beneficial to do a cost segregation study just because there's not a lot of value out of that building structure. It's also not for somebody who's in the lower tax rate. It's not for somebody who's in the lower tax rate because you accelerating your, your depreciation at a low tax bracket, say a 10 or 12% tax bracket, versus having that depreciation stretched out over the course of the property where you're more likely to make more money over the course of time. If you accelerate the depreciation at a lower tax rate, you're getting less benefit. If you're in a state that has a lot of land allocation, a, ta a cost segregation study may not be for you. So people that are in California, anywhere that has a high land valuation, normally high property taxes, it's not going to be as beneficial as somebody who's investing in an area that has little land allocation. Lastly, to, to do a cost segregation study, you have to understand what type of investor you are. If you're just a passive limited investor and you're not going to be able to take the losses against your ordinary or business income, it may not make sense for you to cost, do a cost segregation study because those losses, you're not going to be able to use them. One of the cons to depreciation is this idea of depreciation recapture. Depreciation recapture is the IRS's way of kind of telling you, hey, remember that deduction that we gave you every year over the course that you've held that rental property? Well, when you go to sell that rental property, we kind of want that depreciation back. And so they take that in the form of depreciation recapture. It's important to understand that depreciation recapture is assessed whether or not you took depreciation in the first place. And what that means, I've heard a lot of people say that they don't take depreciation on their rental properties because it lowers their income, thus disqualifies them from loans. But the IRS requires you to take depreciation so because they will recapture the depreciation whether you took it or not. So you always wanna make sure you take depreciation. Accelerating depreciation via cost segregation study, on the other hand, that's up to you if you want to do that. That's one of the downsides to doing a cost segregation study is you're lowering your basis in that asset. So when you eventually go to sell it, you're going to have to pay more in depreciation recapture tax. One little thing to add with depreciation is lenders should be adding back depreciation to your net income to your bottom line in order to assess true cash on cash return. I've spoken with a lot of people, again, who do not wanna take depreciation because their lender says it will lower their net income. If you look at Fannie's guidelines, Fannie Mae's guidelines, they actually tell the underwriters that they need to be adding back line 18 depreciation. So don't feel bad or don't be scared to take depreciation. It's written in the law that way. So one of the forms of depreciation recapture is known as section 1245. Section 1245 recapture is when you go to break out those different types of components in the building, such as the cabinets, the appliances, the furniture, those are section 1245 assets. Section 1245 assets, they're recaptured at your ordinary marginal tax rate, which means whatever tax rate you are paying that particular year, that's how much tax you're also gonna pay on those sorts of assets. The idea behind that is, hey, I wanna take deductions for those assets in years where I have higher taxable income. Maybe when I buy the property, I'm at a 30 or 35% effective tax rate versus when I go to sell the property, maybe I'm at a 20 or 22% tax rate, a lower tax rate. The other form of depreciation recapture is what's known as unrecaptured section 1250 gain. 
Unrecaptured section 1250 gain is the amount that's allocated towards the building structure. The amount that's allocated towards the building structure, what's nice about this is this depreciation is capped at 25%. So no matter what your tax marginal tax rate might be, even if you're in a 37% bracket that year, unrecaptured section 1250 gain is capped at 25%. So one of the callouts is if you expect to sell a property in the near future, or maybe you're doing maybe you're doing a lot of rehab, maybe you're stabilizing the property, you're getting renters in there, and then three to four years you plan on selling it and liquidating. Cost segregation studies may not be something you want to do because of the depreciation recapture aspect because you're going to have to pay that tax back right away. Now, there's some ways to get around the depreciation recapture that we'll talk on another episode. Just wanted to outline the forms of depreciation, cost segregations, and depreciation recapture. Well, that's gonna wrap it up for today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you like the show, do me a favor and give me a follow on Instagram and Twitter at LearnLikeACPA. And let me know what you'd like me to cover in future episodes. Thanks so much, guys. Have a nice day.